0: Welcome to America's Healthcare Challenge, the most listened to radio program on the Affordable Care Act, coming soon, maybe, to an area near you. I am your friend, political advocate, and host, Sean McGuire, here in the hot seat for the first two segments before we try our new format out on you, it's... Uh, a pleasure for you to get to hear uh, this uh, new way we're looking to arrange things here on America's Healthcare Challenge in an effort to get this out to more folks across the country to get this message of helping people understand the tidal wave that is coming as it relates to health care change in America. When the president said changes come to America, it's starting to play out right now. First, let's take a look at some of the headlines this week. We've covered the issue of hospital readmissions several times here on the program but one of the things i'd like to uh, draw your attention to this is a older article here but it's in the pittsburgh post gazette talking about the worn out rule medicare has regarding its three-day hospital stay and this is in regards to a rule that goes all the way back to 1965 and the reason i wanted to bring that up is because the affordable care act in many ways is as large from a, a magnitude standpoint as the Medicare program. And so some of these rules and regulations that we're talking about now could potentially still be in effect 50 years ago or 50 years from now and maybe, on, and maybe beyond. And so this rule is going to 1965 requiring people to stay in a hospital for three days as an inpatient before being transferred to a skilled nursing facility. Recently, a study in health affairs led by a professor at Brown University, found they compared an average time that patients were hospitalized between 2006 and 2010 under privately administered Medicare Advantage plans that observed the old rule or let patients move up sooner to a skilled nursing facility. And what they found is that the hospital stays were 10% shorter for people enrolled in plans that did not require the minimum three-day hospitalization. So an area of potential savings if uh, Congress... Or the policy wonks over in Baltimore at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services would like to get themselves together and figure out a way to uh, maybe look at some of these things. Because when you look at 10% potential savings, especially when we spend so much money on Medicare as a nation, that could have a real impact on us, especially as taxpayer dollars. Next up, Senate bill aiming to repeal the Cadillac tax. Senator Dean Heller of Nevada and Martin Heinrich of New Mexico introducing legislation Thursday seeking a repeal of the Affordable Care Act's excise tax on high-cost group plans. We have discussed this at length on the program, but just to give you a quick review, set to take effect in 2018, the so-called Cadillac tax, you might have heard of it is going to force employers to pay a 40% tax on plans exceeding $27,500 for a family and $10,200 for an individual. This was intended for high-end plans when they put it together. Actually, one of the provisions in the law when they were putting it together that had bipartisan support because they argued that people with these high-cost plans never had any deductibles so they would potentially over-utilize. Well, what's happened recently is that The cost of medical inflation has grown so much that it's bringing many of these policies into effect. And I think a lot of businesses are reacting by making some quite draconian changes to their employee benefit plans. Just hot off the press, final instructions for the IRS official employer report. We're going to be talking about that next segment but just a little heads up, HRA plans must also file these 1095, 1094B and 1095C forms. Again, something that is going to take a lot of labor on, uh, on every single organization. The form itself says minimum 15 minutes to fill out each form per employee. If somebody leaves, you still have to fill out the form. And that is assuming that you have the information right there. So this is something that's uh, all over. The industry and the program sponsor, Edie Bellis, and the organization that I run has a really cruel cool service that we're going to talk to you about next segment. Actually, it's going to be probably at the bottom of the hour coming up in the fourth segment, and we're going to uh, clear the air, if you will. Finally, headline up here, a tale of two Obamacare bailouts. Republican critics of Obamacare have lately trained their fire on a program within the health care law that would provide a federal bailout to companies that lose money on health insurance plans they sell on Affordable Care Act exchanges. What does that mean? When people signed up for the individual policies under the Affordable Care Act rules, each state was supposed to set up their own private or their own exchange. Many of them didn't have the resources or wherewithal to make that happen, so they had the federal government step in and do it. In the bowels of the Affordable Care Act, you will find a... uh, Uh, A a provision that was essentially one of the deals and conditions that the insurance industry cut with the White House when they put this thing together, and that was that the people that were uninsured coming onto the new exchanges and receiving those plans, the bronze, silver, and gold plans, uh, those uh, claims would be uh, reimbursed uh, at a certain amount uh, to the federal government. Now, this is supposed to go away, and experts— are predicting that this is going to cost pre- premiums to completely skyrocket here in 2017. And so many have begged the question of, is there going to be a bailout uh, of these insurance uh, policies if they can't make it happen? I believe it was in North Carolina. One of the Blue Cross uh, providers out there ended up over a $100 million in the red because The people that they ended up enrolling were much sicker. They utilized the system more, and it cost way more than the premiums that were brought in. And the fact that they uh, didn't receive uh, all of the funds that they were expecting from the federal government also put them in a precarious position. So just something to keep your eye on, maybe a harbinger of things to come moving forward. Final thoughts. Enjoyed uh, the debate, as always. Not as much as, as the last one. I didn't know that I liked the um, the questioning. I thought they had a lot of uh, the way that they framed it was sort of a gotcha type of format. And as a host of a show, it kind of turns me off when the moderator completely loses control, which they had absolutely none of it, not even before it even began. It was pretty unbelievable. And um, that's really all I have to say because none of them really had anything to say about healthcare other than the typical repeal and replace Obamacare, some of them on day one, and only one actually has a real plan. That is Scott Walker, and his plan is essentially Obamacare-lite. So this is America's Healthcare Challenge, by the way. Check out all of our stuff on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash americashealthcarechallenge, and you can find links to our SoundCloud segments, uh, which are previous podcasts of this show. And when we come back, we're going to take a look at what's happening in the policy realm. And my guest co-host is going to take it from here for the next two segments, Alan Hager. He's going to pick it up and take the baton and talk to you about some of the things that he's seeing as it relates to hospitals, the Medicaid expansion, and much more. And then I'm going to join you in a couple segments with my final thoughts on what employers need to be doing to clear the air, figure out what they need to do, to be okay with this Affordable Care Act information report, America's Healthcare Challenge. I'm Sean McGuire, back right after this.